0: ah oh, matthew so this week it's it's the the night house which is ironic cuz it's the night and i'm in my house
1: i i am also in my house at night
0: so yeah so um you know we're really uh, living the movie uh this week um but before we get into the podcast and we do all this
1: hilarious chat
0: um let's talk about the old social
1: medias um Chip. They can also be accessed in your house at night.
0: Yeah, or during the day, or on your phone when you're out and about, or at work. Just look, get on them. Facebook. I especially encourage
1: you to do it at work.
0: Yes, me too, yeah. So what am I offering you? Facebooks. I'm offering you Instagrams. I'm offering you... Well, I started tweeting again. Um, Although the Twitter's not something more than, Oi, come and listen to this. Um. So yeah with that said come and listen to this uh now right right Hello everyone, welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Why do we call them horror sandwiches? Well, let me tell you why. Because we have a lovely, lovely movie filling, delicious the movie filling is, surrounded by two bready slices of chatty goodness. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Hello there! Hello! How are you this week? I am smashing... Smashing. Well, before we came on, we were both a bit tired, but um, me talking like this has keyed me up. I've
1: filled myself with substances that I will not mention. Oh. It's caffeine. Got a cup of tea on the go.
0: <laughs> not cocaine. Nothing too hard. No, none of that stuff. Mm. Fair enough. I don't want you dipping in the middle. So, uh, what have I done this week? So. Last week, I told everyone I was going to watch *Night of the Hunter*, which uh, I did, because um, I, I'd heard it was really good, and it was really good. But it was one of those sort of films where I watched it and went, oh, "I really enjoyed that." But I sort of had to read some reviews before I before I sort of put it together properly in my brain, which um, might sound a bit weird, but um, uh, yeah. But it was really it was really great, but. Aside from Night of the Hunter, which we'll get to one day, I think, um, I've also been watching Super Grand. Do you know what Super Grand is?
1: I'm not familiar with Super Grand. I I mean, if the title's anything to go by, I'm imagining a Grand with superpowers.
0: Yeah, a a Scottish Grand with superpowers, no less. It was a kids show from the 80s, um, well, 1985 specifically, when I was but five years old. And uh, I remember enjoying Super Grand and I thought, oh, I'm going to have a look at that. And it's got an opening theme by Billy Connolly. The uh, well, the theme music is by Billy Connolly, and uh, yeah, she's a Scottish gran who gets shot with a ray of something, and uh, it turns oh, be a, sunshine. Is it? No, isn't it a ray of sunshine? It's sort of a a um, <laughs> like a laser, and it gives her superpowers, and then she's sort of a bit of a sassy Scottish gran. So um, yeah, it's poorly made from what i can from what i can see um but the superpowers bit is good anyway that's what i've been doing this week i've been watching super grand um, well, i
1: also got a nostalgia hit this week oh uh, because this morning i saw the trailer for the new power rangers oh yeah yeah event netflix special uh, i'm not entirely sure what it's going to be yeah and-
0: power rangers for all seasons or all time or whatever it's called <laughs>
1: yeah i mean for the cast i i like they had sort of the the blue and the black ranger i think they got the original red ranger in there as well but so obviously we've we lost two of the power rangers from from that you know, my era the uh yeah. yeah 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 the original six so to speak mm-hmm. uh, and I, I looked i mean it was very early morning that i watched this trailer but i looked i I think they had a different one for the Pink Ranger, too. So I don't know if there's some sort of mixing well, up of the the whole thing. But Well,
0: at some point during Mighty Morphin, Kimberly left and was replaced by Kat. So Kat is the Pink Ranger in this. Uh, so she's not the original original,
1: but she's still part of the Mighty Morphin team. Right. I think I, I basically got about as far as the movie when I was a kid.
0: Ah oh, right, yeah, no, she was. She was after the movie, and I think the Red Ranger in this is Rocky, who was, who was, he was, he would have been the Red Ranger in the movie. Yeah, um, so it was
1: the ones because he had that sort of uh, mid-series uh, change around, didn't he? Because Trini left. Uh, it Amen. was a pay dispute, a big pay dispute.
0: And so you, we lost the original black, red and yellow Rangers. Yes. Because of a pay dispute and we were, they were replaced by, um, yeah. It's funny, actually, even as a kid, I noticed that they weren't in it. <laughs> um, actually, how old would I have been? I was probably older than I should have been. I certainly was in secondary school. But it just, Power Rangers with me just hit that sort of kaiju um that I that I always loved watching with my dad so um
1: yeah good stuff yeah it was it was my second love as a kid I would say Ooh. because I think turtles well yeah you know, teenage mutant ninja turtles that that grabbed me first and then then I went power Rangers mad between the ages of probably four and eight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I still have all the toys. Oh, awesome! Yeah.
0: Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, uh, we may, in the future, we may be very selfish on this horror movie podcast and potentially cover that as one of the slice
1: of bread. Ivan we'll, Ooze is a horror character. I'm, yeah, I've we'll decided.
0: We'll, we'll make claims that Rita Repulsa is a horror character, or or something. Or oh, there's, there's monsters in it, or it's linked to Godzilla, something like that. Uh, We'll get there. We'll get there. But anyway, this week's Slice of Bread is somewhat inspired by a movie that is out to watch now. Um, It was put down as my sort of most anticipated, which was going to be Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, So we're going to try and get that watch this week and next week's Slice of Bread. I think we'll talk about that.
1: Um, We'll give it a soft review.
0: We're going to give it it a soft review and we'll decide later whether it deserves a full one. Um, But um, that won't be the movie because the last slice of bread is going to be something that was teased on the Facebook, not really teased on the Facebook group. Anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get there. Let's get started. So this first slice of bread is inspired by the Winnie the Pooh thing. So we're going to pitch other Disney properties that, potentially could have a horror movie or a Disney property, whatever you want to do.
1: Um, well, I only did one. <laughs> I've only got, I only did one as well. This this was the easiest, probably, once you ask the question, it was the easiest one to find an answer I think I've ever had while we've been doing this. Oh, really? Yeah, well, so um... whenever anyone asks, you know, favourite Disney film or whatever, or just just think of a Disney film, I always go to the same place. and mm-hmm. and, and it was the same with this one. So the the Disney film that I think would make an amazing horror film is The Emperor's New Groove. Right, okay. <laughs> because for a start, we I mean, they have a man being turned into a llama. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's body horror straight away. Body horror, yeah. Yeah. They're being pursued throughout the whole thing by some sort of evil witch scientist who's out to kill him. Yeah. So you know we've got a a slasher potential there, and you know it, it ends in a big dramatic showdown, and the uh, the character learns a thing or two. So you know it's it's already a horror film. They just soften the edges.
0: But for you, you want to sharpen those edges.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, the, the Disney keep doing these things where they. Uh, you know, they, they make these animated films live action and nobody wants them. Nobody cares about them. No one even really likes them. Well, let's give them an excuse to like them or hate them in this case. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, uh oh, quite fancy seeing the sort of American werewolf style transformation into a llama. That'd be quite good, don't it? So you're be- already on board. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I. I you, you, you've sold, you sold me. I, I mean, well, I'll watch anything, me. Um,
1: I think we, we, we could even keep, you know, most of the characters in check. I think you could still, there's still room for a horror monster to have a big, dumb sweetheart sidekick mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in, in Kronk. We can keep that character basically the same and it would still work within the, the frame. Yeah. That works nicely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yep, that's what I'm saying. Emperor's new groove.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going for the Little Mermaid. Um,
0: I, I'm gonna gonna crank it up really. I'm basically gonna make Ariel uh, a siren. So the sort of premise of the story will be that um she's a siren who actually causes Prince Eric's shipwreck, and um instead of actually saving him, he just survives the situation. Um and she wants to get her revenge on him, but obviously he manages to get to the the land or whatever. So she goes to see the witch lady who obviously would make Ursula some big fucking octopus monster. Um and then obviously she'll take her take her voice and give her a give her the legs sort of thing, as it works. Um and then of course when she gets on land and realizes that obviously the voice is her power. Um she can't sort of just lure him away and use her powers. So she sort of ends up sort of cutting her way through quite a lot of the kingdom until she finally gets to him. And then um well, I don't know if she will kill him or not. Oh, well it's, well that's up to up to the world, That up to the world to decide. Um but I think uh I think you could you could do a lot with that, silent, um, sort of Oh, man, what's fish out of water, really, isn't it? Silent, fish out of water, slicey, dicey. Hang on a second. It's like Jason, he's a fish out of water. And he's slicey, dicey, and silent. I just want you Jason. You have a type. I just want <laughs> Jason. I just want Jason. I never thought about it. I, I... never thought about it that way. But um, I think there could be a whole, especially the sort of under the sea stuff, if it was like, because let's be fair, under the water is not fun. It's an awful place to be. Yeah. Um, Especially the really dark place. I don't go into the dark place. So yeah, I think it's could be frightening under the water until you get to land. So yeah, looking, uh, I'm looking forward to making this movie.
1: I mean, really, the, the the weird thing is that that's kind of more in keeping with mermaids as an idea. You know, mm. historically they are, you know, like you say, sirens and monsters. They they lure people to the deaths, and you know, mermaids are assholes. So yeah. For sure. You're, you're, if anything, being more true than Disney ever were to, to the idea.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, also as well, you know, Hans Christian Andersen's story, like there's some proper body horror in that and having the tail split, like ripped apart to make the legs and that. Oh no. Yeah, that's up. So, I reckon that, that would be a great idea.
0: Yeah, I get, uh, it, it came to me instantly, which is probably the best way for these ideas to go. It's usually have whatever comes to your brain, work on it. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they've done with Winnie the Pooh, and whether it'll be any good or not. Um, but I suppose we'll talk to each other next week about that.
1: Yeah, So. Yeah, trepidation. I think is my uh, my biggest feeling here.
0: Mm, yeah, and I haven't even let slip yet that I've already seen it. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so let's get into the filling, eh? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that was that was quite a. Uh, that
0: was a quick first slice,
1: wasn't a it? A little We've... thin. That was a tortilla. Yeah, or one of those Warburtons thins.
0: Um. We're not sponsored by Warburton, so we could be though. I quite like bread.
1: Uh <laughs> and sandwiches. So it's like it's like what you know, Warburton slice, but you you've got the uh, the rolling pin on it, you've got it smushed into a very thin <laughs> uh, but very delicious slice yeah. of bread. Mm. Very delicious
0: slice of bread. Oh, yum yum! It sounds it sounds lovely. But anyway, so this week we're doing uh, we're talking about the Nighthouse from twenty twenty. Now you suggested this to me because you wanted me to watch something I haven't watched yet.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the whole of the. Uh,
0: that was the whole reason nice for, reasoning for
1: choosing this. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so I've written down some of the bits. Uh, so it's directed by David Bruckner. Um, I recognise that name. I meant to look up what else he's done. I think he's done other stuff. There. Right?
1: Uh, so he did the new Hellraiser film. All right. Okay. Uh, he did the Ritual. I'm not sure if that's one that you've you've seen or not. And he also did VHS.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did. Um... <sighs> I think he did the one that was eventually turned into a. Um a what is it a a a full movie a feature length there you go (laughs) yeah because he did the one that was i think about um that might have been actually a siren or something like that or a vampire it was something like that anyway
1: um yeah, annoyingly it doesn't actually say on uh, which which one he's responsible for here. So
0: Yeah, I think I I'm pretty sure that that was the one. Uh I did do some investigation, but uh, I didn't write it down. What I don't write down, I'll just forget. Um uh so I got that this movie boxed office at fifteen point five million, but I couldn't find any budget stuff. Um which is which is sort of odd, but um I can't imagine it was a high-budget movie.
1: I can't imagine it made all that much, because it was, as we've as we mentioned a few times on here, very badly affected by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a 2020 film, uh, but it, we didn't see it until uh, about August, I think, 2021. Mm. So it was, you know, one of those those delayed films, and when it did get released, it, you know, cinema numbers were limited and all of all of that awful business. So I recall was... there
0: being a lot of talk about it though, a lot of um in the horror community people saying, you know, go see it and stuff like that.
1: One of the, one of the surprising things was that they did actually show it in my my local cinema, so that was Ooh. that was a nice treat. Yeah. Not, not often I get that.
0: No, well, obviously this was my first time and I watched it happily on Disney Plus. Um, yes. So, for those of you out there who want to um, sort of Disney Plus it, you know, go for it. Uh, so, this film stars Rebecca Hall as Beth Archin, uh, Sarah Goldberg as Claire, vondi Curtis Hall as Mel, and Evan Jongit as uh, I'm not sure if I, saw it, if I said that right as Owen. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much your cast.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's very, very few people in there. Very
0: there? few people in there. And I think, um, I'm guessing it must have been filmed around pandemic as well. So, um, you know, that's that sort of makes sense for that. Um, what I do want to say is, um, and we've been forgetting to say this, is obviously we're going to start talking about it. Spoilers are high. We're not avoiding them. Um, so if you haven't seen it, either either just listen to us spoil it or dip up and see it and come back. Um that is what I
1: say. Uh, I think it's probably worth just mentioning as well that the film does deal with suicide as well. So we are going to talk about that. So if something that you'd prefer not to listen to, we won't be offended if you want to sit this one out.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Although this week I'll put a time code to the end of uh, that because you're going to want the last slice of bread. Um, I think you are anyway. Um, so, yeah, so the premise of this basically is um, simple as Beth suddenly loses her husband to suicide, followed by spooky goings-on. That's sort of it, really, isn't it, in a nutshell? Uh, well, yeah, it certainly does develop from there, yeah. Um, so, I don't really know what to say straight away about it. Um.
1: Right, so, go on, I will... Uh... I will kick us off because I think the best place to start would just be saying when we went through that cast list. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty much a one-woman show, isn't it, this? Right, yeah. And Rebecca Hall I mean she's an actress that flirts with the A-list and has appeared in quite a lot of of well-known films, but for whatever reason, just hasn't really become an A-lister herself. And it's very strange to me because, I mean, this film is just a showcase for her and she's absolutely great in it. Like, She's playing a character who is very clearly in grieving, depressed, yet still within that manages to pretty much run the entire gamut of emotions that that a person can go through in that, you know, that sort of mental state, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, she's disarming yet aggressive and, you know, breaks down tries to put on a brave face and, and various times and she's always 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 convincing like she absolutely nails this right and then in the third act of the film she has to do all of that up against literally nothing like the the whole third act is just her acting against nothing and it's like what a challenge that must be, and she's absolutely nailed it. She smashed it.
0: Yeah, I have to, I have got to agree with you there. That um, yeah, she's a really good actor. The character's kind of a prick, um, but that's not that's not on the acting. I think um, she's certainly playing it that way, and you know, she's obviously dealing with uh, grief, and obviously people. Deal with it in different ways, and that's that's fine. But um she's sort of a prick and a bit kind of unlikable, certainly from my
1: point of view. Um I think what she does very well is is turning that on. You know, she uses uh, her you know, her mental state to like really fuck with people right. when she wants to. You know, the scene with the the parent in the classroom is like the perfect example. Uh, but then, you know, she also softens those edges, doesn't she? When uh, she comes across well, all the time that she spends with, with a friend. And, and also the, so as, as the film develops, she starts unraveling this mystery of what her, her deceased husband had been doing leading yeah. up to his, to his suicide. Mm-hmm. And when she finds uh, a woman who she thinks has been having an affair with, she you know she pulls that that prickish side out. But then when she speaks to the woman the second time, she gets that woman's story again. You know the the, the edges come off again, and she you know she, it's like the guards are up, and she knows when to put them up and down, mm. uh, which I think is. I mean, I think that that probably comes from the writing as well. But well, again, Rebecca Hall uses the material brilliantly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's the best part of this movie. Because um, I, I mean, i got a lot of problems with it. Um, I've, there, there are some good, good things in there, um, but I've got a lot of problems with um, the way. To me, for me, the story, it doesn't know what it wants to do with itself. Um, It it goes in all sorts of different, what I feel are like horror subgenres. But it never, for me, never truly um, like picks one and and goes with it. So you sort of, I found myself not confused, but... not invested particularly in the storyline um because to me it, it goes through different things it's it's obviously got um you know starts it starts with with the suicide and then it looks at her dealing with the grief of that and then it's ghosts and then it's mazes and then it's serial killers and then it seems to be opposite worlds and then it's a voodoo you know it just it just moves along at this weird sort of like, and like I say, while there are some good things in it, um, I enjoyed, there's a lot of good use of shadow in this film. Uh, a lot of them. Um, I'm not sure what you compare it to, but you know, like you find yourself in situations where you're constantly looking at the whole screen to see, if you're missing anything or if there's something in the background or something like that. So that was good for me. I enjoyed, I enjoyed those bits of it. It was like sort of tense. Um, And there's a a noise through it, like a creak through it as well, which is, um, which is good. Uh, Well, I've talked a lot there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll talk about the, say the first thing you spoke about first, because I, I, I do agree with you to a point. So I, I saw this when it came out in the cinema. So well, a year and a half ago, nearly two years. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit dismissive of it uh, when it first came out. And then the sort of the ending and sort of that central conceit of the story just kept, it, it really stuck with me. And, you know, as you said, a lot of times, you know, when a film sticks with you, that's usually a sign that it's that it's doing something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went into watching it this time, you know, with that in mind, thinking this is, I know, I know what I'm getting in for. This is what we're we're gonna go through. And I think, sort of, in that that time since I watched it originally, I completely sort of forgot all of this this strange feminism message that it's it was trying to put across and I think that I mean this film's written by by two men and you can really tell when it starts to get into you know dealing with with well basically anything to do with with gender roles in this film right like there's to my mind three male characters that, that really have anything even small to do in the film that that's not sort of the the ghost of Rebecca Hall's husband so there's there's the guy in the bar who who mansplains her own feelings to her and then there's the guy in the library who's just kind of dismissive and again you know not really helpful kind of talks down to her mm-hmm. and then there's Mel who's in the film who's kind of a sweetheart but kept the big secret about what her husband, you know about the the relationship they'd had and what he'd seen her husband doing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of got this thing going through. It's like, oh, you know, aren't aren't men trash sort of thing? And it's it really needs a woman's voice in there. And then at the end of it, when you've got this this whole thing that her husband had been essentially murdering women to, mm-hmm. yeah. To keep his wife safe from this, this malevolent force. It kind of spends his whole thing film going, Oh aren't men men rubbish, aren't they crap for you know the way that they talk to this woman? And then try to soften the edges of a bloke who'd murdered I mean, conservatively half a dozen women in this film. Mm, yeah. It's like you you you're messaging on this is is so badly off you know it's you know you're trying to talk about gender pick something you're trying to say and say it
0: yeah yeah i must admit i didn't i didn't pick out any of the gender stuff really i didn't it didn't it didn't even occur to me um
1: well because because all of the rest of the stuff that, that you said you know and the way that it, it moved from from place to place you know, I really enjoyed sort of that the path that it was taking and the way that those those pieces fit together. It came to it because, you know, she she's unraveling this mystery, isn't she? As the film goes on, mm. so you know, all these bits and pieces do do come together for for that end bit. But then I was yeah, I was just shocked by this whole other thing that that really stuck out to me this time. I guess I just didn't see that
0: it was it was it was it was just moving to me it, every time I, I, while I was watching it. It just seemed to be moving from one piece to another without really knowing where it was actually wanting to go with it. Because, like you said, it turns out that you know he, he was he'd been killing these people, and that's sort of like interesting to that point. You go, oh, I can sort of see. What happened? But the, it, it then sort of moves along from there and becomes kind of ridiculous. I thought, um, I don't know if this whole like other world thing. It was like that's another layer on top of something that we didn't need. Like the horror was already there. The horror of of her grieving for a man that she never really knew. It was all there, and it didn't need the extras.
1: Um, which you know we'll get we'll get round to. Um, do you think so that, that that problem was also reflected in in how the film was set up? Like, I think there were very clearly delineations between what scene was scary and what scene wasn't. Yeah, you know there was. I know that you know it's a, it's a horror film. And all the horror films basically have scenes that are scary and scenes that aren't. But this one seemed to be like very clearly signposting you can relax in this bit. We're going to scare you in this bit. Then you can relax again. Rather than. I mean, there was always a feeling going through it, you know, that there was. There's a sense that this film is. There's always something off and there's there's an emotional weight to everything. But you you know when there is going to be a scare, and those those scenes where they they do go, were scaring you know they're fantastic you know they really they know what they're doing in those bits. But the problem is, is that it feels just a a bit zigzaggy, is what you know what I would describe it as. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have um, it doesn't have any moments of building tension, does it? It's got it just well exactly like you said it just takes you from one place to another although there was one bit that i think that really got me is that um she falls asleep and her friend is with her and then it just suddenly you know and it it is pretty scary although i i felt that this movie relied quite a lot on cranking up the sound for its scares um which i'm not i'm not adverse to um but there is a bit of that in there which you know,
1: yeah, if you do want to uh, to scare, well, anyone in your life by playing that song, <laughs> you know, late at night to them, uh, learn learn from my mistakes. That song, when you find it on Spotify, has about a minute long intro before that bit kicks in, so they're already awake and annoyed at you before you can even scare them.
0: <laughs> Wait, there's a scary bit. Well, no, I'm angry at you know. Yeah, but just ah. Oh.
1: Yeah, it, it it went pretty much exactly like that. Yeah. Um.
0: So I guess well, should we head into the um sort of ending?
1: Uh. Yeah, I think so because I think what the uh I think the, the the couple of other little bits of of praise and and criticism they kind of rely on on knowing that. So yeah, we'll we'll dive right in. Okay.
0: So um, heading towards the end, there's this bit where she sort of, uh, she eventually realises that the ghost or whatever it is, is not actually her husband, but something more malevolent. Um, And she ends up in a sort of uh, opposite world, if you will. And uh, she's confronted by, well, the the thing that was pursuing her, so part of the story of this film is that uh, at some point she she died uh, and she was dead for about three minutes and her thing was, there was nothing there. And um, since she, she sort of came back, nothing has been pursuing her or trying to get her to go back to being dead or know,
1: I'm not really sure exactly what that is. So... So right, basically, it's an art house final destination. Yeah, it, it. So this this question, it's basically the same question as being asked in both of those films, and it's taken it in in two different ways. So in you know, in terms of cheating death as this premise, what happens when you cheat death? So final destination, death just keeps coming and just takes people out in these. Uh, you know, ever more ridiculous ways. While this one goes, right, well, what if it's not death, but the afterlife and this certainty of the afterlife, but also the certainty being that there isn't one. And I know I've heard, you know, a couple of people say to me, In the past, that you know, they're not scared of dying, they're scared of not existing. Right, yeah, yeah. So that fear is just personified in this. I mean, personally, I kind of think I'm I don't worry about 1812. I'm not gonna worry about 2112, you know. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm, that's just me. But I you know, I get that why why that fear exists and You know, when we we watched Martyrs recently, you know, the the woman at the end of that film, which, spoiler if you haven't seen it, you know, she has an answer as to what is in the afterlife and she kills herself because Mm -hmm. what's the point? And then this one goes, well, if there's nothing, you know, how does that affect a person? And it affects her because she just drops into this, you know, depression, you know, and she says earlier in the film that a husband kept it at bay because in terms of keeping it at bay, he was killing all these women because depression and nothingness and existential malaise is personified here. So he's keeping it away physically in this rather than, you know, in terms of real life where, you know, you support people, you, you help them, you make them laugh, and you, you make life worth living for people.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I think that's, it's kind, it, it's beautiful in its way, but also I don't really like the idea that in order to keep depression at bay, this guy's murdering women, you know, which again comes back to that.
0: Yeah, but I think- Get that- a
1: woman writer in the room, please.
0: Yeah, because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think you're seeing a lot more there than they intended. Because <laughs> I, I really think that they went, "Oh, look, nothing's a, a, an actual thing." Um, and I wrote, written that. I mean, n- look, nothing can't be something. I'm not having that. It's nothing or it's nothing. <laughs> it's something or it's nothing. You know, when and the film's premise of this is that the nothing has been whispering to the man to kill the woman because it wants her back. And, but instead of doing that, he's been trying to trick the nothing by killing people who look like her. So, like, I sort of do understand where you're coming from. And there is a good, there is a message there somewhere. But I don't think that they had that in mind. I think they literally went, oh, look, it's a demon. And it just it's just stupid. <laughs> I really, like... And it's like I was saying to you, going back to like um, you know the serial killer bit. That that's the bit that's scary and interesting, and you know, like going to the ghost stuff. That could have all, you know, easily could have been just part of her dealing with the grief and everything of it. So there's such a. I, I say this a lot. I think on my letterbox reviews, there's the bones of a great story here, but it because it's it ends badly and. It, it sort of me out. There's bits of it I didn't like. You know, we talked about where
1: they're not quite sure where the plot goes. It just does. It's just a mess for me. Um, I I was similarly dismissive of the ending when I, when I first saw it, and I did think that it was. It I mean, you know, it kind of is a ridiculous premise, but so many of of our favorite films are. It's. <laughs> You know, it's nothing. What, what if you got nothing to be afraid of? And then, you know, I, I read a few reviews and, you know, people were saying that it spoke to them on this this existential dread that, I mean, I don't understand and I'm sure a lot of, you know, most people probably don't. And I think that's what what weighed on me. And, and because that's, it's something that never, it's never left me. You know, I keep thinking about this film every few days from when I saw it to now, you know, and it's, mm. it, it does. Well, it certainly did for me anyway, just sit with me. And when you start, you know, peeling that onion that I have done, there, I think there is, there is quite a lot of, I mean, I, I might just be putting it in myself, but it does feel like there is a lot of depth to it there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> maybe it requires another watch for me I, I can't see me watching it again i just um like i say i think the thing that disappointed me most and i'm obviously repeating myself here is that there's a good story in there but it's some, it's somewhat ruined by um trying to make it sp- or I, probably either explaining it more than it needs to be or trying to make it spookier than it should have been um so yeah. I think um, we're
1: kind of saying the same thing, but coming at it from different angles. Different yeah. sides on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh again, I, I probably I probably wouldn't recommend re-watching it to be completely honest with you. I'd I'm not going I, to for for me, I would I would say just just reflect on it and, and think about it for a while. And you know, you, you might you might you might not obviously but yeah, you might come to a, a different conclusion.
0: Yeah, um, it, in fairness, it might just be one of those movies that went straight over my head and, you know, I didn't... Because you know, I, I think, think most you, people have given it reasonable reviews, so... Um,
1: no, I, I think you've just come to the same... You, you've come out of it the same way that I did. And yeah,
0: right, okay.
1: So, you know, I, I... It sat with me. It You know, it might not sit with you. It is it's one of them, you know... The, it's a film that definitely has It's taken a swing at something. And, you know, it's, it's not going to work for everyone. Uh, no, it, it... But you can certainly applaud them for giving it a crack, I would say. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Probably not the writers, but certainly the director and, uh, and the cast.
0: So let's get into the regular reviews. So... Um... Let's see, it's got an 88 percent tomato meter, which is the critic's score, right? <laughs>
1: uh
0: or is it an 88% fresh? I've never been under it on the tomatoes. I normally just um yeah. And it's got a 69% audience score. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh and letterboxed, it's looking at a
1: 3.4. So yeah, I would say that's. You know, pretty much on the whole, positive. I would, mm. say. Yeah. I would say that the, yeah, I know with, with Rotten Tomatoes that it's, you can't really use it as a barometer of quality, can you? You know, there's, if you could, you know, the, a film that could be like the, the absolute best film ever for some people, for half of the people, and then all the other half hate it. With a passion, you know, that's gonna come out fifty percent, but it's much more interesting than a film that everyone goes, Yeah, pretty good. That comes out at a hundred, <laughs> you know. It's yeah, pretty good.
0: Yeah. Um, so I suppose I don't think we got any Facebooks, did we? I don't think so.
1: I didn't get any notifications for it anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll have a quick look while I'm here because um I wouldn't like to um no. Um we didn't so i guess we're going to go ahead and review it now i'm actually i uh, i was i think i think i was heading down the ship route um and for those of you who are new to this we've got a three-tier score system it's um either create a psychopath which is as good as it can be um uh, i knew it's spooky which is middle of the road and a shit which is bad And I was heading down the shit route, but actually um, I think in terms of just for sort of, um, you know, acting, the fact that it's carried pretty much by one person, there are some decent scares in it. Um, So I think I I am going to give it a new, it's spooky. Yeah. Why not?
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I think certainly with, with, the technical aspects of it. I do think it, it has a very good look to it and it's, you know, very well put together, you know, uh, technically as, as we we've said. So I think that, that, that does work in its favor, even if you, you know, I say you don't really like the direction it goes in at the end. Uh, yeah, for me, I was, when I, when I chose it, I thought it was going to be a nailed on creative psychopath. Uh, but again, you know that the, the clunky way that it's that it's written did did draw it back for me in, in a way that I wasn't expecting. Mm. So I think it's for me, it's sort of gone in that you know that behind the sofa space between creative psychopath and who it's spooky. But uh, yeah, go on. I'm going to say creative psychopath. I'm going to oh. just for just for Rebecca Hall.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: She earned it. I fair enough. saying anything else for her?
0: I can't argue with that. Um, lovely. So that was the that was the delicious filling. It was nice to do something different this this week. Um, it was nice for me to watch something that I haven't. Uh, to be honest, hadn't even heard of. So, um, you know, I'm all about that. Watch as many films as you can. That's what I say.
1: And I agree. Second.
0: <laughs> so. Let's get into this final slice of bread. Now, I've been looking forward to doing this final slice of bread. I must admit, when it, when the idea popped into my head, I, I I thought it was a good one. So, this is going to be uh, the theme going into April. Um, so we've called it uh, I've called it April Fool or Fool's Gold. Um, so what we're going to do is um, each week for the April episodes, and obviously, yes, this is March, but. Um it's leading into April. All right. Um, we're gonna pick six movies. Um, five of them will be low lowly low-rated or bad movies, and one of them will be a good movie. So um obviously that will be the fool's gold. Um, and so what we're gonna do is um roll a dice and uh pick the movie. Now, this week I've chosen the six um and i've given each one of them obviously a a numerical valuation and um i have to tell you i've gone down a theme for this um it's 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 all somewhat water
1: related oh okay um so do i know what all six of these films are before you you say them i well i you're going to draw
0: your number first. Right. Um, sorry, roll your number. Um, and then I'll tell you what you could have won and then
1: we'll tell you what you did win. Right then. Okay. So, right. um, Here we go. So I have got six. Oh, right. Okay. Which I'm nervous about because I don't think you'd put the good one right at the end. Okay. that think you'd it's... bury it somewhere in the middle.
0: Uh. <laughs> Right. So it, uh, let's see. Uh, so in at number one, we had House Shark, um, which was which the premise is when Frank finds his happy home under under attack by a dangerous but largely unknown breed of shark. He enlists the aid of the world's only House Shark expert, Zachary, and a grizzled former real estate agent, Abraham to embark on a desperate quest to destroy the beast and claim his life back. It's Jaws in a house. And that's rated at 1.9 on Letterboxd.
1: Um, Yeah, that does sound like a film that's trying too hard to be funny, I think. (laughs) Um, So
0: in at number two, we have Aquarium of the Dead. Workers at an aquarium off the coast of Southern California find themselves surrounded by... Undead marine life after mysterious virus sweeps through the building, only steps from an ocean inlet. The workers must fight to stop the creature before they escape into the sea and infect the entire planet. And that is one point seven on Letterboxd. See, Uh-oh. that
1: sounds to me like there's there's just the right amount of earnestness. <laughs> so I think someone's really like someone at some point in this process of making this film thought they were onto a very good idea with this and then tried to roll with the joke once everyone laughed at it yeah that that's how i feel this one's gone
0: yeah i think that was one of the ones that i would have been all right if it if it if it came out um so in at number 3 we have sea ghost which is also known as the thing below um for some reason uh, i don't know why uh, a top-secret drilling platform in the Gulf of Mexico raises a dormant alien creature from the depths. Once loose, the creature goes on a murderous rampage. And that was in at 1.9. Um, so that was Sea Ghost. Never heard of it.
1: Now I'm just thinking now how Ghost would work underwater. You never see ghosts underwater, do you? No, wasn't
0: the abyss a ghost or something?
1: I don't think I've ever seen the abyss. Oh, I no. don't think I have. Well, no. Well, let's just say it is. Well, I, d- I don't. Who's going to question have. us? <laughs> I don't think I have.
0: Now, in uh, at number four. Um, oh, you say
1: number four like it's the good
0: one. In <laughs> at number four, the movie that. Okay, it was Shark Exorcist. When a crazed demonic nun summons the almighty Satan, she unleashes terror upon the sleepy fishing town of Paris Landing, screams pierce the eerie silence as a series of savage attacks commences by a ferocious beast, a shark driven not by range or revenge, but by the devil himself. And that one is rated at one.
1: That's just got a perfect one, hasn't it? A perfect one. Well, it does have 99 five-star reviews, though i can't believe that apparently that is really really bad yeah it's got one point eight thousand half star reviews (laughs) though
0: apparently it's really bad i sort of vaguely wanted to see that one um but that's okay maybe one day we'll get to it now in at number five is unfortunately this was the fool's gold ah um the shallows um So what was once in the deep is now in the shallows. When Nancy's surfing on a secluded beach, she finds herself on the feeding ground of a great white shark. Though she's stranded only 200 yards from shore, survival proves the ultimate test of wills requiring of Nancy's ingenuity, resourcefulness, and fortitude. And that's in at a three. But I've seen the shallows, and it's uh, an absolute treat. Um, Okay. so, So what
1: am I in store for, then?
0: Okay, so... Uh, let's find it. (laughs) Um, so what happened here was, um, I picked this mostly based on the name, but actually the review is not that bad. Um, and you'll be pleased to know it's only an hour and three minutes.
1: That's, that is good. Big fan of that.
0: So we're going to be watching Attack of the Crab Monsters from... What year is Well, that I mean, year? in terms
1: of titles, I'm thinking this is going to be great. Uh, when a group
0: of scientists travel to a remote island to study the effects of nuclear weapon tests, they get stranded when their airplane explodes. They soon discover the island has been taken over by crabs. But these are no ordinary crabs. They've mutated into giant, intelligent monsters. To make matters worse, the island is slowly sinking into the ocean. Can any of them manage to escape? Um uh, <laughs> And that actually comes in at
1: two point six, so it's not terrible. And also, what what is great is that I've just had a, a look for it, and it is available to watch for free on Plex. Yes, it is. It's so available. It's very, very easy to find. Oh, it's a, it's a, a Roger Corman film.
0: Yeah, I noticed that it was um, a Roger Corman film. You so know, what? I
1: think I've I've 19, pulled one out of the bag there.
0: Nineteen fifty-seven,
1: that one. That's I think we're going to be safe.
0: I think. Um, yeah i sort of ended up (laughs) picking potentially a good one so yeah i found that on i found it easily online i think it's on youtube as well um so yeah i'm looking forward to that i quite enjoyed that that came out exactly how i wanted it to um we built up nicely to (laughs) to whatever it was going to be so um yeah, next week everyone, Attack of the Crab Monsters 1957. I'm actually really looking forward to watching that. Um plus, you know, an hour and three minutes. That's not too bad, is
1: it? No, I can I can find time in my day for that.
0: <laughs> so um it'll be up to you next week. You'll be the one picking six um movies. You don't have to uh pick a theme like I did. I just um
1: I think my I might... brain
0: my brain went to I know there's a lot of bad shark movies, so um, Am I
1: allowed to put the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man down five times and then the Good <laughs> Wicker Man down once?
0: Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. What's well, up to you? The, <laughs> your rules. I won't do that. Your rules, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that was fun. I hope. I'm really hoping April's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to potentially watching films that I wouldn't have even thought to watch, even if they do end up being bad. Um, because that'll be the fun of it, I reckon.
1: Yeah, let's yeah let's have some good bad movies.
0: Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna enjoy Attacking the Crab Monsters anyway. So do
1: I. I think this sounds like a romp. Yeah, it does look fun, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right, so uh that's it then. We've done it. We've achieved yeah, again, we've achieved a lovely, lovely podcast horror sandwich thing. Um same things that we say at the top of the show, you know, all those social medias and things, go follow those. Because um, we're a delight. We're a delight to know. And um actually would like to reiterate from last week's episode that um, guests, people just come on and guest. We really aren't bothered. Um, whoever you are, just come and guest. If you've been on before, just ask to come on again. You know, we love you. And if you want to get involved in this April thing, then by all means, um, come and watch a bad or good movie with us.
1: Yeah, I think we'll uh, We'll have to, uh, at some point during the month, we'll have to do an entirely listener vote for uh, five bad movies and one good one.
0: Oh, that sounds like a good one. That sounds like a good idea. Um, yeah, so uh, we've done it. We've done it again. We've, we've done it. We've done it again. Uh, so we should, we should probably just go then, should we? Let's do it. All right.